welcome and happy new year, sort of. I mean, it's been a while, but welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera. I am your host, Gadget, and as always, joined by Anthony. And this is the show for camera nerds, for photographers, for content creators of all kinds. We here at Good Morning Camera every other week just indulge in the imaging news and the camera news and the creator news and really just hone in on two or three hot topics, discuss them for about 10 minutes, move on, call it an episode, Anthony. And, you know, look forward to the next one. And we haven't recorded in essentially two months, right? (laughs) Like we took a planned hiatus in December. I had a bit of a vacation left over. And then, unfortunately, you got a cold. It was just a cold, folks. You got a cold and we're like, you know what? (laughs) We can't introduce the new year like this. I can't make you suffer like this. So we extended it. And now here we are. And maybe it's good that we waited because we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about a $10,000 camera that just dropped. We're going to talk about our favorite camera that we're looking forward to for 2022. Mm -hmm. But first, we're going to talk about the Canon EOS R5C. There's been rumors. There's been anticipation. There's been excitement. Anthony, what is this camera all about? So I actually think this could be the most exciting Canon camera that we've seen in quite a bit of time. There's a whole bunch of like different recording formats, but the big release, I guess, is going to be that 8K 12-bit RAW, 4K 120, uh, and there are no more record limits, which is kind of a huge change for Canon, uh, you know, lagging, lagging a little bit uh, on that one, but it's here. Uh, the big change, though, is this introduction of a, like a built-in fan, uh, and that essentially makes it this it is it makes this camera more like a mini c70 and it actually kind of resembles the body just a little bit just in a smaller compact uh form factor when you first look at the camera uh the front of the camera you're gonna think this is an r5 with just a fan on the back or anything like that but this is actually a whole i think it is a little bit of a different camera and i watched a youtube channel that's called pro av tv they recorded 8k raw for four hours uh they had to replace the battery four times but they could not get the thing to overheat and i think that's exactly what canon needs to kind of reassure those content creators uh, that they actually have a reliable tool so i think this is actually pretty interesting but what are what are your initial thoughts here my initial thought, look, 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 we're going to turn on the camera for this one. My initial thought of the Canon EOS R5C is that this looks like the sort of go-to video solution for the creator on the go. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, Canon, hey, what's going on? I don't see a Canon EOS <laughs> R5C in my hand. Why are you not going to let us test it out? Huh? Why are we so, holding this back? Let's so see many what creators can, are in the same boat right now. Let's it's see what this what this can do. I was a little yeah. wary of the lack of content around this camera. That being yeah, said, it's kind of weird. The, some of the people that got it made some phenomenal comment uh, content, like the one you mentioned as well. And it's great to see. It's reassuring to see what this camera can do, especially under the stress test. You know, it seems like they took the R5, sent it to Miami, gave it a little bit of a lift, and you have this fan on the back, a little thicker camera, but it delivers. I mean, it serves yeah. its purpose in that now you can record without hesitation. And that's the most important thing is that if you're a creator, you don't want to be second guessing if your camera's going to fail on you or if you need a backup for a backup for a backup. You know, the, the, the A7 III had this issue where it could overheat at times and you're just stuck waiting. Uh, The Mm. X-T3 had this at times when you're recording 4K60 for extended periods of time. I got a Canon R6 here that can't go 
45 minutes recording 4K 24p even to a recorder. So oh, wow. this this has been a situation in the space and I'm glad that Canon decides, you know what, let's just solve this once and for all. Let's just make something that can go on and on and on. And it it does surprise me a little that you you can do this with 8K raw footage. Like to 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 not only have something that's reliable, that's scalable, that is in this footprint that relatively speaking is not massive it mm-hmm. is on the bigger side um but to do that kind of resolution and frame rate and the codec in a raw light format mm-hmm. that's impressive that's impressive you know what i think that we do have to go over is there's a, there's essentially three levels of raw recording in this camera so there's the hq being the highest there's the st being the mid-tier and then the lt being the lightest in terms of the file size and people I don't know. There's just so much drama about this camera. They're saying that, you know, it's not essentially like a real cinema camera or it can't be like a pro tool because of uh, like the CF Express type B card slot. That's where you're going to record that AK raw. But then it also has a V90 card slot, which you can't record that AK raw. And if you if you're going to shoot AK raw, you need that AK raw and you want maybe a backup to that AK raw. And I heard some drama online talking about how this is such can a I, big can deal. Can I address this? Can I, can I address yeah, please this? Do. I gotta bring a, I gotta bring a baseball <laughs> bat or something, you know, <laughs> let's just confront this head on. Look, uh-huh. if you're going to record raw, you're going to record the CF express because you can record a faster bit rates, blah, blah, blah. You can also download it faster reliability at exactly. the same time. We're talking about a company right? A rent-seeking corporation that is seeking to just widen the net of their product so that if you're investing in the solution as a professional, you're like, cool, I have a raw workflow and maybe I compare this to a red solution that shoots, you know, proper raw and have some sort of parity there. But if you are just, you know, the the creator that maybe has a smaller camera or an APS-C camera or maybe an older camera and you want to upgrade, you get something you can get up and running with the SD card solution. And mm-hmm. I think they made the smart choice here. Complaining one way or the other, where why shouldn't it be just two CF Express or two SD cards? I think that misses the point. And I think ultimately, this becomes a non-issue. And we know this about the camera imaging space. Uh, this is not the most, this is not the space that's like, you know, just bursting at the seams with journalistic integrity. No, camera gets announced, people are going to find something to complain about it, it gets clicks, it sells, it gets people talking, and then when it gets into creator's hand, we see great content come out of it, and we're like, wow, look at what this can do. I'm more excited at that. I'm more excited to see when this camera arrives and when creators get it, the things that they can create. Because now, I'm envisioning the creator that can capture 8K resolutions without any issues in the field, go in and then creatively crop and readjust the frame and compose and make for some really beautiful footage. And, you know, imagine even someone that's doing talking head points where with an 8K now, you can take just one frame and just punch in as needed and essentially have sort of a fake multicam solution with a single camera. Especially if you have two people in the frame, you can punch in and probably get a little north of 2K when you punch into one person's head. This is phenomenal stuff. So I'm excited at the news. I'm just 
again, I want to go hands on with this thing. I want to go hands on <laughs> with this thing. A hundred percent. And honestly, that's what I'm so excited for is just to carry less gear, but have my gear shoot in such a high resolution that maybe I only really need to do two cameras and I'm filming like four people talking. Uh, I've had this discussion uh, with some of my other friends that are shooters as well. Like that's what I want. Uh, if I go into an interview setting, I just want to carry less record at that higher resolution. Um, but what's also interesting with this R5C is that uh, you're getting oversampled 4K 10-bit, uh, like oversampled from 8K. Uh, and I think that's where this is going to be an interesting camera for those people who don't necessarily need 8K but might want it for select like purposes and select situations. But at the same time, like you're going to have a uh, unbelievably sharp 4k image uh, yeah. recorded in 10 yeah. bit. Uh, and uh, that's why I think this is actually going to be a hit for Canon. Uh, and I'm not necessarily a Canon fan. Uh, but I think this one, they, they've actually done something pretty fantastic uh, with this camera for sure. You know, you're, you're right. I'm not going to add to it. That's enough Canon uh, free advertising. Let's move on. Let's move <laughs> on to the next subject. What are we talking yeah. about next? Yeah. So I heard that the, that Leica dropped this M11 camera and I wasn't really sure exactly what was going on. What's the difference between this camera and some of the previous Leicas? I kind of pay attention to Leica, but not as much as you. So I knew that, you know, you would definitely have the details on this, but what's going on here? The Leica M11, what's this all about? Yeah, I mean, Leica has a reputation and you either know about it, you either don't know about it, you either stand on one side or the other. The 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 short one sentence that I can give you is that the Leica M11 is a piece of jewelry that takes phenomenal images <laughs> in a very specific way. And with, let me make the sentence a little bit longer, uh, comma here, semicolon, um, and the files are freaking amazing. Okay. I, that's a self-censor I did right there. Um, <laughs> what they did here is in my eyes, kind of rare for a brand like Leica. You don't typically see them innovating or leading the charge when mm -hmm. it comes to digital imaging. They take things that exist and refine them and make them, you know, more Leica-ish, if you will. However, what they did here is they've taken a 60 megapixel sensor, many are guessing is the sensor from Sony that Sony produces, and they've customized it for them, like most manufacturers do, to give you not only a fantastic 60 megapixel file, which in my experience so far, produces the best true-to-life colors and images. We're looking, you know, across the field, Sony, Canon, Fuji, they all have like a flavor to them, right? Uh, this do. one just feels so true to life and especially shooting different kinds of skin tones. On top of that, you can take this sensor and Leica will use pixel binning to make the pixels bigger, even though, you know, without cropping the actual sensor itself, you can go from 60 megapixels to 36, again, same sensor size, and then to 18. And so what's the benefit of this? Well, as you move down in resolution dynamically, you can increase the dynamic range by an extra stop, so 14 to 15. And if you go even further to 18, you can reduce the noise of your image. 
what this means for creators, for photographers specifically, because there's no video on a camera like this, is that you can choose the resolution based on your environment. You don't have to stick to 60 megapixels. When you have enough light, when there's not too much contrast, you can go with 60 and grab you know, a phenomenal portrait, for example, or a landscape, but say that there is more colors and tonality involved. You can go to that sweet spot of 36 and get all that dynamic range. You can go down to 18 when it starts to get dark out. That this is sort of the main thing that makes this M11 like selling out. <laughs> you know, people are just in the space, at least in the rangefinder community, in the photography community, they're going nuts over this thing. On top of that, there's a lot of refinements that they brought with respect to the button layout, with respect to the battery now, much bigger battery. You can shoot for days now without charging this thing. And the overall experience where you can just plug in a USB-C or transfer wirelessly coming soon and a firmware update apparently with Bluetooth, um, it, it just works so well. And of course, M mount, you compare it to lenses that are made in the 40s, 50s to this camera, and it's a rangefinder. There is no true rangefinder on the market being made by anybody else other than Leica, right? I mean, you have the X-Pro3 and the X100V there. They're pseudo mm. rangefinders, right? They're just giving you an optical viewfinder to shoot. This one's a true rangefinder, meaning that you look through, you have an optical view with frame lines of your scene, and then you're focusing manually. This is a camera that's not meant for everyone, but you'll see a lot of people talking about it. You'll see a lot of clickbait titles around it. At the end of the day, there is a premium you pay for a camera like this, but they match that with the quality, right? 100%. Like you're, 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 there's a high, high price tag. And if I'm being honest, I think it's higher than it needs to be. But when you choose the mantle of a luxury brand, similar to watches, you're gonna, you just charge more. You inflate mm -hmm. the price a little bit. It also helps to subsidize the marketing of the brand itself. And that's what you get with a camera like this. 100%. And I think there's like, I guess, a few interesting features, like for example, that, that we're talking about an interchangeable lens camera that is shooting a 60 megapixel file, which is super interesting. I never really liked the Leica 28 millimeter lens that was like fixed to the camera because sometimes it would, they would do this like weird like cropping thing where like you can crop into the image, but it's still like a 28 millimeter lens. So it's not really the right perspective when you're like shooting everyday things like say a portrait of just like a family member or something like that. I also do love the fact that you could drop down to 18 megapixels because I remember shooting on the Fuji X-T1, you as well, Gadgen. Mm -hmm. What was that? Was that was that eighteen or was that sixteen? I think it was. I think I think it was eighteen. Oh, I think man. it was you, eighteen. You, when you come into these podcasts <laughs> with these trivia questions, you're making me a little nervous. I'm gonna put it up right now, uh, but go ahead. I'm pretty sure it was eighteen. Um, sixteen. Sixteen. It was sixteen. Okay, so sixteen megapixels on a Fuji XT1 was so more than enough, right? And not everybody who is like the Leica shooter has that Leica money and doesn't want to blow the bank on all these hard drives and things like that. Um, so it's nice to have that option to just drop that down a little bit and you know shoot away like you would on just an average day. I think that's also uh, super interesting. Uh, but really what it comes down to is, I don't know the answer to this question. I'm hoping you can help us out with this. 
who is the camera? Who is this camera for? I wrote down a few jokes. If you want yeah. to, me to Let's start, hear. Let, yeah, get, let me see. Who, who is this camera for? <laughs> who is this camera for? I was I was joking and I was thinking, you know, this is for doctors, this is for lawyers, and this is for Fuji shooters who no longer have OSAP payments to make, or <laughs> or Fuji shooters who have given up on their OSAP loan payments and just really need to upgrade their yeah. camera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but. In all you, seriousness, yeah, you, 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 you've gotten pretty close to it. You've gotten pretty close to it. So when you look at, if I'm sort of looking at, you know, the history of Leica, the people that are in the communities on Reddit and Discord, um, and just the overall sort of community online in general, yeah, the bulk of them you will see are, you know, people that have that disposable income or f- make themselves have the disposable income to buy into Leica because it is an aspirational product. You know, the, the same way that somebody that was retiring would get a Rolex. Like this is one of those things they sort of like save up for, look forward to and indulge exactly. in because they just want this premium thing. Leica matches this reputation with their image quality. Like if, if it took crappy pictures, here's the thing I gotta say. If Leica <laughs> took crappy pictures, they would not have the reputation 100%. that they have. There's so, a magic. There's magic yes. in those files so, for sure. With this, you know, you have a large swath. I would say the majority are just casual enthusiasts that save up, that look forward to this thing. They value the aesthetics as much as, you know, what the camera can do. You also have another subset of creators that are working professionals, the reporters, the people that are, you know, working for the Associated Press that are in the field or even freelance that want a super compact solution that is simple, that is reliable, that can take a beating, even though there's no weather sealing uh, officially on this camera. We've seen M10s, M9s that have been, you know, soaked, that have been drenched, that yeah. have been blasted with sand, that survive and, you know, go on to take these images. For those people that want something that's compact, can produce an amazing file and is reliable. There is no autofocus to deal with. You just aim and shoot. You zone focus and you shoot and it shoots in a very specific way. And in some situations, Mm -hmm. very unintimidating, right? Where you can imagine in a conflict ridden nation, walking around with big cameras can be, make you more of a target or seem more intimidating if you're covering a humanitarian situation, right? And then I think the the other uh, smaller subsequent is like, the younger, like you're seeing more of these like 20s to like mid to late 30s, these this younger group of Leica shooters that are, you know, being introduced to the brand, getting more hands-on time, being involved in more of the talks and the meetups and all this kind of stuff that may have been a Fuji shooter, may have been a Canon shooter, whatever it may be. And as they progress, they find out that it's not just the image quality, it's just not the file. I actually want to shoot a specific way. The rangefinder way of shooting is very unique. It's not for everyone. However, if you if you like it, it's hard to look at anything else. Like that's how I feel, you know, having the M6 shooting on that for 2 years, I'm like I just like shooting like this. I like capturing images like this. And when you go to anything else, it's kind of deflating. That's, in my eyes, you know, the sort of three segments of this market from like sort of the most to the least. And I'm excited to see, you know, what this camera does for that. Does it shift the population a bit? Do we see more younger creators buying into this, saving up and getting into this? It's not cheap. But at the same time, if you find yourself making money from your work, 
and you really value, you know, the sort of experience of it all and the image file itself, I think you're going to be quite impressed with a camera like this. Now that's enough about Leica. Let's go on to our last topic for this episode. And this is simply a question, Anthony. What is the camera that you're most looking forward to in 2022? Now, we can't ever comment on things that we ha might have ins inside information on. That's why it's great to do an episode this early because we can look at the rumor sites and just pause it. So I'll start this off. Yeah. For me, if I'm looking at 2022, which camera is actually, you know, has me excited? Which camera is making me think that, okay, I might have to sell something and get this or upgrade? I, there's no... There's no denying it. For me, it is the Fujifilm X-H2. This camera has been hinted at both by, you know, rumor sites and even by Fujifilm, right? They've kind of talked about the new sensor technology, the new generation, the, the summit in May that they're going to have and introducing new ideas, these new lenses that they release that they say, hey, it's meant for higher resolution resolving. So the Fujifilm X-H2... I'm super excited for this camera. I think this is going to be a phenomenal hybrid solution where you're going to see a higher res resolution sensor that is also a much better quality sensor, BSI, so backside illuminated stacked sensor that can, mm -hmm. what that basically means is give you a ton of dynamic range, but also read out the information very quickly. So minimal rolling shutter is what I'm expecting. What I'm expecting, I think... Fujifilm's X-H2 is really going to close the gap in dynamic range between their APS-C X-Series line and their GFX line. The Fujifilm GFX 100S, by far the most dynamic range in a file that I've ever experienced. And I've used the R5, the A7R4, the Alpha 1, all these cameras. Mm -hmm. That thing is the king of dynamic range, right? And when you look at the X-T4, X-Pro3, they sit quite a bit below. They sit below cameras like the R5, the A7 IV, the Alpha 1, et cetera, et cetera. I think with this new generation, they're going to close that gap. They're going to give you something in a smaller footprint that has access to all their X-mount lenses. And maybe this is a hope. I like to think that they were listening. They are going to pay attention to video-specific features. I think this is going to be a video monster, and they're going to tweak this we saw it a little bit with the X-T4. I think they're going to take yep. this further to make the user experience for video much better. Enough about me, though. What are you most looking forward to in 2022? It's funny. If uh, you didn't put that in your show notes, I would have came with the exact same camera. Uh, I am 100% so excited to see what's happening with that camera for sure. So I had to go a different route. I had to think a little bit outside the box, but this is something that's kind of piquing my interest lately. Uh, and I've seen the rumors for the S1H2, uh, and that also leads me to believe that we are going to also see a BS1H2. So over the holidays, I actually had the BS1H, and Ooh. I was just like, oh man, this camera is is very it's got a unique little bit of magic uh, that's happening with the look of the footage. Uh, I love the box style form factor, especially paired with Panasonic's small uh, 24 uh, millimeter and 35 millimeter f1.8 lenses. That was great to kind of play with those uh, all together. Um, but I'm super uh, curious about what's going to happen with the S1H2. 
Uh, they saying on the rumor sites that, you know, there's going to be updating their autofocus system. They're potentially going to throw in built-in NDs. Uh, and if they can make that work and then also come out with a BS1H2, I would love to see all of that in a box style camera. But I do have to agree yeah. with you, Gadget. I'm definitely looking forward to that X-H2. Um, but I'm, I'm also paying attention to what's happening with Panasonic. So it'll be an interesting year. I think this is going to be a good one for sure. Yeah, definitely hot off the heels of the EOS R5C and the fact that Sony's kind of already, you know, given the market, the A7S three and the A7 IV, mm -hmm. I think now that you're going to see the other manufacturers like, okay, that's what the market looks like. That's what the field looks like. We're going to come out with this and we're going to prioritize these sort of features. And yeah, S1H2, you're right. I mean, if, if, if you know, it's funny. If it wasn't for the X-H2 and all the noise around that and the rumors around that, it'd probably be the S1H2 for me. So excited yeah. to see what Panasonic does. And that wraps up our topics. But every episode, we, we do what I think is the best part of the episode. It is Creator Draft Picks, our first mm -hmm. picks of the year where you and I pick something. Uh, this is not sponsored. It's never sponsored. You can't buy this segment. This is something that we've either used, enjoyed, continue to use, we highly recommend it. Okay, that's that's what this is all about. For this episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna re recommend a YouTube channel. So over the holidays, um, a friend of mine was on a wait list for a GPU. Uh, I've always wanted to build a PC, and he managed to secure one uh, RTX 3080 at MSRP at retail price, which is phenomenal. Got that, and here's the thing, Anthony. I've been a Mac user for you know, a little over 15 years at this point. And I haven't really used a PC. Uh, you know, my wife calls me down for IT help with her Lenovo. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's been too long. And I look at this thing and it feels like a different language. Sure, if I yeah. tried, I could figure it out. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back here and focus on the Mac stuff. Yeah. But I've always wanted to build my own PC. Number one reason, you could probably guess it, gaming. I just want... A dedicated game machine. But but the second reason that's become more prevalent is I, I just wanted a machine with way more horsepower that I can explore 3D modeling, rendering, animation, you know, this sort of stuff that you can't really do on a high-end laptop, uh, even from Apple. So how does a Mac user that knows nothing, that knows nothing about building PCs, how does he go about this journey to build a PC? It's in a, in a week, Anthony, in a week. Well, there's a gentleman, Joey Delgado, on YouTube, and he puts out some of the most phenomenal tutorials on building a PC. I, I highly recommend him for all kinds of creators. If you're sitting there, whether it's you or your child, and you have this interest in building a computer, start watching his channels. And they're fun to watch. He walks you through the entire process of like all the pieces you're going to need, how to hook them all up, how to clean the cables, what to watch out for. But then he takes it a step further. And this is what separates his channels from some of the channels that, you know, focus more on the cinematics and aren't really educational. He'll actually sit down, once it's all powered in, walk you through the process of going into the BIOS, setting up your motherboard, installing wind, all the stuff, A to Z. I've watched multiple videos. There's one specific video that I watched, and that video took me from knowing nothing Knowing nothing on the building aspect of it to having this working PC that I've been using for about a month, uh, absolutely ripping people on Halo Infinite and, and just editing like a beast with this thing. We're doing color grading in DaVinci Resolve and it is just rendering things at a higher clip than my MacBook Pro is even doing. 
Nothing against the MacBook Pro. I'm just saying that this one is doing it at a higher clip. So my recommendation is the Joey Delgado YouTube channel. If you are interested, you know, you might not even be building one anytime soon. Even if you're just interested, it's just a great refreshing channel. That's my pick. I had to give you context. I'm sorry I went long. What's your pick? <laughs> no, we definitely need this information gadget because, uh, you know, us Mac users are paying absorbent amount of prices for just, you know, basic stuff. So we need all the help that we can get for sure. Uh, over the holidays, like I said, I have the BS1H uh, with me here. And uh, I've been thinking, you know, do I want to jump into this like cinema world, uh, cinema camera? Um, I have the X-T4 right now and I'm just like, I don't know. No, because like the X-T4 is such a great value, but one of the things that, you know, it's missing is a few things to make this like more like a cinema camera. So I started, you know, tinkering uh, with all the small rig things that you can find and spent way too much money rigging up my camera, trying a bunch of different things, adding the Ninja V, but then also like thinking about powering the camera for longer takes. And once you add a monitor onto your camera, I'm just like, okay, it's annoying to have to switch out those Sony batteries all the time um, that like the Ninja V takes and things like that. So what I did was I went to Mississauga Heartland, the, the location there. I snagged the, the Henry's. Piece. The Heartland Henry, location. The Henry's Mississauga. Hey, don't get it twisted. Right, he's not just <laughs> yeah. touring Heartland. True, it's Henry's, true. baby. Uh, true. Sponsor there, of the show. There's competition that way. I have to specify. <laughs> so I snagged the Shape 98-watt V-mount battery because this V-mount battery essentially future-proofs you a little bit. No matter what camera system that I kind of go to, I know that I can take this V-mount battery and carry it on um, in the future. I don't know if I'm going to go the cinema route or maybe X-H2 comes out and maybe I just follow the Fuji path. Uh, I have no idea, but one thing that I know for sure is this shape uh, battery has a D-tap and a USB output on it, so that yeah. way I can charge almost anything. Uh, I can get like extension packs and add more D-tap plugs and things like that, um, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, the best thing about the, the shape battery, though, is that I can charge my monitor and also charge the camera itself, and I actually took this out. I tested this out, uh, and I got about five and a half hours of constant use uh, which is pretty great um, off of like a small little v-mount battery so that's my pick i gotta say this has definitely been the best thing i should have done this way long ago I, anthony anthony <laughs> i mean I've, I've, I've been telling you and i, I reeled yeah. over this new solution that i built as you know often in the office recording talking head points uh plenty of talking head points for henry's themselves and yeah. I wanted something that was just easier. Why do I got to set up everything every single time? So here it is. It's a simple little stand based on one of your recommendations. But what's mm. unique is when you start going down the V-mount way, even the micro yeah. V-mount way, I have this Aperture 120D. I can plug in a V-mount into this thing, use yeah. a USB-C from that V-mount to power a camera, have a monitor for recording, and I now 100%. have... I want to say wireless. There's no wires coming out of this thing. Literally, on this stand with three wheels is a camera, a monitor, and a light that I can wheel around my office, point in my direction, hit the record button, and I'm good to go. Exactly. I mean, th these these new these... aperture lights are actually kind of crazy too because like they're also 
able to be powered off of these v-mount batteries so the investing into the v-mount solution i think is a fantastic way to future proof yourself a little bit and like i said the the voltage of these batteries pretty much allows you to charge almost anything um in terms of like a camera light uh you know anything that has USB-C. i could charge my phone off of it uh while i'm on a trip right so Great pick. Uh, yeah, definitely Great worth the investment. pick. And, and that's what people are going to expect here. It's not just the flashy things. It's not just the spiciest picks. Practical <laughs> things, usable 100%. things, educational things. And that's what you can expect on the next episode of Good Morning Camera. Thank you so much for listening. Our first episode of the year. Every two weeks we have a new episode. We look forward to delivering a ton of great content throughout the new year. Be sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. If you're listening on iTunes, leave a review because it does help the show get discovered. And just in general, tell people about the show. Tell your camera friends, your camera nerds, the creator people in your community. Tell them about the show. We'd love to hear what they think as well. As always, my name's Gadget. His name's Anthony. We'll see you next time. Take care.